So immediately out of the gate, when you set a behavior-based goal and don't meet it, in the beginning of doing something like changing a massive habit that everybody, almost 87% of Americans do, and that you've done for so long. Hello, and welcome to the Healing and Dealing Podcast. I am your host, Charlotte, and I am so excited to go on this journey with you. Through a trauma-informed lens, we will navigate healing through conversation and connection while learning tools to embody our transformation and make lasting changes in our lives. We will cover relatable topics and discuss various modalities to put into action and ignite change. This podcast will have incredible guests who will share their story and provide proof that even in the darkest times, there is light waiting for us. If you landed here, it's for a reason. Now, let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Healing and Dealing podcast. I'm so excited today. I have Catherine Pope, aka Cat, with me. She was one of my coaches when I went through the path with this naked mind. Cat is also a medical death investigator and forensic anthropologist. Wow, that's amazing. And then she also studies and mentors effective mental health and wellness structures to support her peer first and last responders. She is a certified Naked Mind coach and has been alcohol-free since February of 2021. Hi, Kat. Welcome. Hey. So good to be on here. Oh, I'm so, you were one of the first people that came to my mind where I was like, I have to have her on. You have a plethora of knowledge, especially about you know, changing your relationship with alcohol. And you made such an impact on me when we had our weekly sessions. Like I would always try to make your, your calls because you just have this way of really getting to the root of things and just being so real and authentic with all of us who were in the path, you know? So I really, I'm so proud of you, Charlotte. It's just like, it's unbelievable to see how far you've come. I'm so proud. Thank you. Yeah. Today's eight months alcohol-free on the dot. It's so awesome. It's so beautiful. Oh my gosh. I'm I'm happier than I've ever been. That's for sure. And um, we can definitely get more into that. First, I really would love to hear like your story with alcohol and and, um, what brought you to be a coach for this naked mind. Oh my gosh. I mean, I think I have a pretty familiar story with most people and just that like I, you know, drank a little bit in high school, drank a little bit more in college and I'm married my college sweetheart we met the first week and very first week in college wow that's crazy and uh yeah so you know we moved from college to graduate school and he ended up getting his phd and we moved again and then we had kids and you know like the whole time we're kind of just drinking socially and it's never really a big deal and then i would say probably you know i i worked as a medical legal death investigator so i had a pretty significantly stressful job And it wasn't until we kind of moved to where we live now, where we live in a pretty small community and my kids were getting older, that the casework really started feeling icky. You know, I I never had a problem working in the job that I do because I love it. I I find it very interesting. No two cases are the same. But I think I didn't ever receive training in how to be resilient or how to handle stress Right. How other than, you know, hitting the bar after work yeah, <laughs> with, with yeah. the people I worked with. And so I found myself really like 2018 
super burned out at work. And I think this is true for a lot of people. You don't have to be in a job where you're dealing with dead people to be burned out. You know, nurses, teachers, social workers, moms, dads, people just get burnt out. And when you don't have like effective strategies on how to talk to people or, you know, self-care, de-stress, just sit Mm -hmm. down and, and relax, then it just keeps the ball of wax, you know, just keeps getting tighter and tighter and I really didn't feel like I could move anymore. And all that would let me relax was drinking. And Mm. I found myself just like, you know, I would pour alcohol down my throat as soon as I got home. And, you know, my husband didn't really see that I had a problem. I wasn't Mm -hmm. messing up at work. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't, I didn't get a DUI. I didn't crash. I didn't get fired, but I was blacking out. I was Mm -hmm. missing memories with my kids, you know, and I I didn't feel good in my body. And I was just so sick when I finally realized that I needed to start stopping. I was just so sick of like waking up with headaches and my heart was pounding and my, you know, my thoughts were racing in the morning. Like Annie Grace says in her book, like 3.33 a.m. I would wake up. Same happened to me. It's crazy. It's crazy. And I mean, I remember like I bought her book probably a year before I really started quitting and I wrapped it in one of those like grocery bags, like a brown grocery bag, Mm -hmm. just like in middle school. So nobody would see it and know that I was like thinking about quitting drinking. Yeah. I think like, I mean, I, it was a magic day when on Facebook or so, I don't even remember where it came from, but the live alcohol experiment kind of fell into my lap in July. It's almost three years ago. July 2020. It was COVID. We were all locked down. And, um, you know, I was parenting my kids at home, like homeschooling because everybody was yeah. at home. And I, the work environment just got really toxic. And, and it was just like everything exploded. And this came to me like in this like divine intervention. And I was like, a 30 day break from alcohol. Yeah. That sounds nice. Do that. <laughs> that sounds really nice. And you know, it didn't, I, I hate to say I didn't, I didn't succeed that month because I did like it opened all of my mind up into this thing that I had been ingesting for years and mm-hmm. never questioned whatsoever what it was doing to me. Yep. And like, you know, I'm, I'm gluten-free because I have celiac disease. Like I had started experiencing all these stomach symptoms prior and I was doing things with food. I was trying medicine. You know what it was? Alcohol. Wow. <laughs> it's the alcohol that was giving me all these horrible sim- stomach symptoms. That wow. went away that month. My anxiety, you know, I, I did drink, I think I drank five times during the month of July in 2020, which was a huge reduction for me. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I started to get that clarity that you start to get. I learned what alcohol does as far as anxiety. I have been diagnosed with PTSD and Drinking alcohol when you have PTSD is not a good choice. That is not the way to heal from your anxiety disorder or your PTSD. And so I started learning more about that, how it was affecting like my sex drive and my sleeping habits and my eating habits, all of my parenting, my memories, Mm -hmm. my skin, you know, my exercise habits. I always used to love exercising, but I could never stick to a routine because many times I would wake up hungover. Yep. (laughs) So, um, yeah, I mean, I ended up, I I did pretty good in July, like just learning things. And I was like, I'm going to keep this going. So I took, I think I did four more live alcohol experiments and in in this naked mind, they do like different coaches every time. Mm -hmm. So you get an opportunity to hear so many different stories and, and the live coaching was really what 
kind of, man, it really, it really hit home. And that first holiday season in 2020, when I was completely sober for the, through the whole thing, just, it changed my life. I was like, this is, this is amazing. I feel, you know, it's not easy, but right. it was like, just, it was so worth it and so much better. And then by February, like I knew I was like, I have to bring this to my, to my coworkers, to all mm. these last responders. But I was still kind of drinking here and there. I would have like, you know, I'd go six weeks and then I'd drink or I'd be like, oh, why did I do that? You know, I'd start to dig in and ask myself questions. So in February, I actually signed up to be a coach with this naked mind. And that just, I was like, if I want to really preach this to my people, if I want to share this with the world, like mm -hmm. I have to make a decision, you know, I need to, I need to live what I want to teach. And, and that yes. was that. Yeah. What a beautiful decision you made because <laughs> you're perfect yeah. for it. You really are. How has it been? Like, so you, you said that even when you were going through that sober curious months, you know, you would go six weeks without drinking and then maybe have one. Has that happened since you've been a coach or you've just been good? Like, no, you haven't drank at all or. No, I think. And so February, since February, 2021, 20, that was it. That, that's it. No, I've been, okay. I wouldn't say good, you know, like it, it, that's the funny thing about this is like, I made a choice that day. Mm -hmm. I can't remember the date. I wish I could. Cause people always love to like count days, but for me that didn't work. You know, I like, I wanted to take a lot of the pressure off. I'm not yeah. all about labels. You know, I, I like to kind of, I kind of just go. <laughs> so that day when I made the decision, I was like, this is not forever. This may not be forever, but for right now, I can't think of a good reason right. to drink. I feel and, like that's so important because so many people yeah. get stuck on that forever and they're like, oh, I, it just completely turns them away from even trying it. So changing the language around it, it, it works so good for me too, because now even it's like, I can drink. I just don't want to. But yeah. if you're, if you're forcing it and you're white knuckling and you're like, I can't drink, uh, and you're, you're, it, it makes you obsess about it, you know, and you're like forever, how long's forever? That means, you know, when, when I'm 50 on my birthday, I can't have a glass of champagne and you just like start obsessing. Right. And like thinking yeah. about all the events coming your way, but it's, it's like they say day by day, you're like today, I don't, I don't want to drink. So, yeah. yeah. And during that sober curious period, like I kept testing the waters. I think for me, when I noticed that I wanted to kind of cut back, it was that like, I couldn't have just one. I mm. that, that fun, that enjoyment, that relaxation was gone. It was like my off switch was gone. Yep. And so what I tell people now is like, well, I know I can't just have one. So I choose to have none. Mm -hmm. And that may change in the future. I don't know. I don't have a good excuse right now to, to yeah. test it. I'm enjoying this life right now. Well, I mean, we know the way alcohol works. Once you have one, I mean, what happens? You you know better than me. You could explain it. It's it's that dopamine spike and then you go into the yeah. what is it? Di dinorphin. Yeah, dinorphin is dinorphin. released in your brain uh, to bring you back to homeostasis because you're getting this unnatural dump of dopamine and it's from an unnatural substance too like when we have sex we've worked on that, you know, like we've yes. built this thing and, and it comes because we, we have imagined it and, and perceived it and made it happen. But like booze is just like clock it back and mm -hmm. you get this unnatural dump. So then the dynorphin is released, which crashes you. It makes, it gives you that itchy, that uncomfortable feeling. And, 
And that's the stuff that lasts for longer. And if you drink some more, you get up a little bit farther, but never up as far as you were in that first drink. Right. I can picture the graph that's in the path yeah. because it shows you when you have that first drink and then how long it takes for it to yeah. come out of your system and return back to homeostasis is like three times. It's like for every 20 minutes, it's like two hours or something, right? Yeah. So, yeah, that and that's why you always reach for that second drink and the third drink and the fourth drink. And then that's what increases your hangover also. Yeah. So like when I used to drink it, I would drink, you know, six, seven, eight cocktails in one night and feel terrible for two days. You know, yeah, it was... Yeah. It was not fun <laughs> at all. It's not worth it. Yeah. It's not. Yeah. The but other you have thing... this. Yeah. Go, go ahead. ahead. No, it's okay. Go ahead. I was just going to say, like, you have this, you know, it's why we women <laughs> keep having babies because we have this, like, That's we have so this true. block. <laughs> That's so true. You know, we have this, we have this reminder, like dopamine stamps down these good feelings, really hardcore, like, let's do that more. It's the motivation. It's the drive to continue to do those good things. Mm -hmm. And we don't necessarily remember the hangovers as well. Right. We're remembering the parties and the fun and the, you know, like cutting the grass and the good smell and you're drinking a beer or like, you know, you're on the beach with your friends and you're having white claws. Like that's the good stuff we remember, but we don't remember the driving home blackout drunk with your kids in the car or, you right. know, like right. those horrible things. And the hangovers fade and then you're back to like, well, I could just have one. And but you can't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You just started all over. That's so like, I really want to highlight that because it's so true. And even when you watch TV, like one of my secret obsessions is the housewives and they always show them like drinking, having fun. Like where are the hangovers at? You don't see, I mean, maybe once in a while it'll show the next day and they've all got glasses on and, you know, but for the most part, it's glamorized, you know, like you can't see the really shitty part of alcohol, which just perpetuates this, you know, need to want to drink to have fun, yeah. you know, or, or be an yeah. adult. Well, and nobody knew, like, for me, nobody knew how many drinks I had before the thing that I did, <gasps> yes. you know, or the drink, like, I gotta get up early, like, no, I just wanted to go home so I could have more drinks and not be driving. Oh my gosh. So, I totally resonate with that. Towards the end, <laughs> before I stopped, I was drinking before everything. And yeah. then when we would get to the event, my husband would be like, what's, you're already drunk. Cause I was hiding it, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, oh, he's like, well, did you take something? I'm like, no, I just had a couple drinks. And it's like, I had to pre-drink in my mind in that time yes. to even like go there. And then, yeah, same thing, go home early so you can keep drinking. Yeah. Or are you just like, I'm staying the night <laughs> with your kids and yeah. calling Uber yeah. with your kids or, you know, whatever it is. It's just such a hot mess, you know. But yeah, the, yeah. the pre-drinking was something I, I began to hide and it was doing it a lot. So I totally hear yeah. you on that. Me too. Me too. And I think the more people like you and me and just normal people tell these stories and talk about it, the more I think comfortable other people will be yeah. because it's not like, you know, alcohol is addictive. It's not me being irresponsible. I have, you know, I have a master's degree. I have a full-time job. I have two kids. I have a beautiful house. Like mm -hmm. I am not irresponsible. Alcohol made me addicted to it. And I was super powerful to realize, thank goodness. Like I feel so fortunate to have stopped and yeah. be able to help people. Yeah. I love, I love the way you just worded that because so many times people blame themselves. They shame themselves. What's wrong with me? I'm an alcoholic. 
but really it's the alcohol, you know, it's, that's what you're addicted to. And it's on purpose. They're doing it on purpose. You know, there's so much research behind that. We were just talking about the Huberman podcast and that <laughs> is, there's one about alcohol that I seriously recommend anyone to listen to. Even if you drink, if you don't drink, whatever your relationship is with alcohol, it's got so much good information. It's kind of long, but it's, oh my gosh, it's powerful. His whole podcast is great, but that one we shared amongst our pathmates and everyone was like, oh my gosh, this is, it explains like biologically, physiologically what's happening in your body with the alcohol. And it's just great. I love it. I love that. I feel like that's the part that really changed my subconscious. Nice. Really understanding like what it does to me and mm -hmm. doing the experiment in the path where you drink one and see how you feel. I did that without knowing I did it because we hadn't even got to that point yet. And I was like, oh, I did that. And like a couple of weeks ago, I took a shot before we went to Home Depot. And yeah. I think I talked about it in one of our um, calls yeah. and I felt so terrible. And one hour later, I was like, oh, like I didn't feel like this before I took that shot. Like the alcohol made me feel like this. And it began, began to be something about feeling in my body and yeah. the physical part of it. Which kind of yeah. leads me to the emotional-based goal that really was pivotal in my recovery, honestly, because everyone is so focused on these behavioral-based goals and forcing themselves, like, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. And it really doesn't work most of the time unless you're, like, extremely disciplined, you know? But can you tell the listeners a little bit about the emotional-based goal and, like, why it works? Oh, my gosh. I mean, so... We're, I think I want to preface all of this with like, we're so taught and wrapped up in our culture with our worthiness being tied to our behaviors. Like we're told, you know, to excel at school or, you know, like get the best jobs, marry the richest man. I don't know. That's not yeah. how I was raised. But so and like some people are raised that way. Yeah. You know, do run the fastest, play all these sports, do all these things. And so when we have these behaviors that we feel are negative or embarrassing or shameful, and we feel like we're, we're, our worthiness is at fault. Like we're, we feel bad about ourselves and that's where mm -hmm. that blame and shame happens. And then we get in the cycle, like, what do you do when you feel like shit? Right. Well, I, I drink, you know, <laughs> I don't yeah. know. So immediately out of the gate, when you set a behavior-based goal and don't meet it in the beginning of doing something like changing a massive habit that everybody, almost 87% of Americans do, and yeah. that you've done for so long. If you don't meet that goal, then you're going to feel like crap. And what do you do when you feel like crap? You drink. So you get right. back in this like huge cycle. And so setting an emotion-based goal that's something that you can rely on your memories, your experiences, your emotions to drive you towards. So for example, like instead of saying, I want to be alcohol free for July 4th, which is coming up pretty soon, you can say like, I want to set this goal to remember July 4th. I want to drive my kids home. I want to feel free and clear. I want to connect with three new people at the bonfire. And these are like these are feelings, right? These are experiences that you want to have. Right. And they are a little bit like you can remember like, oh, Charlotte, do you remember that time like in high school that you met three new people at the football game? And you can remember that, right? Mm -hmm. Rather, you might not remember having a sober <laughs> July 4th. Right. Yeah. And so those are things that you can slowly start to, to do like and to work towards, right? So what does a person that feels 
free and clear and remember their nights too. Well, they don't drink alcohol. Maybe they start their day with a ice bath or like a yoga session, all these little behaviors that lead up to that feeling. Yeah. It's all about the what feeling. Was, yeah. What was your goal? What was your emotion-based goal? Oh my gosh. It's kind of long. I remember when I did it though, I got some feedback because I posted it and uh, I can't remember. And one of the coaches was like, hers has so many different categories like wrapped into one. Yeah. Let's see. I have it right here somewhere. Mm. I have all my stuff. Okay. So it says, I want to feel free from anything controlling me. I want alcohol to be insignificant in my life. I want to feel content without any substances. Does that, is that an emotional base goal? <laughs> Cause it worked. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Intent. Absolutely. Free. I remember one of mine was I wanted to wake up without thoughts running through my head. Yeah. Just, you know, calm wake ups. And that was something that took a, a little while for all the ick to, to dissipate. Yeah. But no more like judging myself, no more wondering what I did the night before, who I texted, what, you know, where I drove, what yeah. I miss. Yeah. Right before I stopped alcohol, me and my husband, like we went to a concert and we drank and then we went to a bar after and we ended up, we don't even remember the night, neither of us do. And we got into an argument and like I went home in an Uber and he like slept somewhere. He doesn't even remember. It was like wow. the rock bottom for us. And when he got home in the morning, I was like, where were you? And he, and he, he was so hungover. We both like we slept all day. We couldn't be parents. And that's, we already, obviously I was in the path at the time, but in the beginning, like, you know, it's like everyone still drinks while you're learning. Right. So that's when you're really trying to get it in because you know, yeah. you're going to stop drinking coming up. And that was just like such a moment for us. And we thought, gosh, if we would have, you know, the cops could have came, we could have, you know, gotten, it just could have gotten so much worse, you know, and like, look where it left us. Like you didn't even come home. I, I, everyone was blacked out. We don't even remember like, this is not the life we want to live, you know, and, mm -hmm. and both of us agreed on that. So those, those types of memories really keep me from wanting to ever drink again, honestly. Yeah. And is same he with him. Still? He's, yeah, he's not, drinking. no, he's wow. had, he's not like me when it comes to alcohol. He's not like that with anything. He just doesn't have those tendencies to get addicted to things. He doesn't like anything controlling him in that yeah. sense. So I would always be the one, let's go party. Let's go to the bar. You know, I was like the one that had the itch. Right. And um, yeah. he'd be like, fine. And then once he would go, he would have fun and he would drink way too much. We both were kind of like binge drinkers, you know? So when I became alcohol free, he was like, yes, finally, like, I don't have to drink anymore to hang out with you. And, um, oh. and he's had oh, like, sweet. I think we, ha we went, took our 21 year old, um, to a restaurant and they had a little bit of sake together and then he had it with someone else but he hasn't been buzzed or or anything he's he i'm just so lucky in that sense i always tell him that too i'm like you make it so much easier by being the person you are and it just i can't even imagine trying to do all of this with someone who say was an alcoholic or you know still drank on the weekends and wanted to go out to bars and that would be really hard to navigate in a marriage yeah. Or judged you or something. Oh I yeah. Know. I know there's a lot of people where, you know, their partner wants them to drink because that's their, their time together. And Henry and I were like that, you know, we, 
most weekends, just him and I would stay up drinking and talking and laughing. But then it was the next day that just was terrible. So now we're learning, we need to figure out other things to do to have fun together and then wake up and feel great and have another beautiful day with our family. So we're, we're kind of like experimenting with like dates and stuff. You know, it's fun. It's without alcohol. It's like, what can we do? Let's go do a mystery dinner. Let's go try, um, you know, a different restaurant that we've never been to. So we're just, we're kind of in that space where we're exploring without alcohol as a couple, you know? So great. I love it. I think like for me, I was terrified just because my husband and I, that's the same thing. We would always have drinks, have fun with drinks. And I was really scared. I knew I was going to do it. Like I had to do it for me and my health and my mental well-being. But I was like, what if he doesn't think I'm fun anymore? What if he hates this new me? What if this new me sucks and I hate him? You know, I hate that person too. Yeah. What if we don't connect anymore? And I think that can be a big, that fear can keep people from making change. But I think for me, it's really solidified my knowledge that he's the right person for me. You know, he's, Mm. he's my connection to everything in the world. And, you know, because he supported me through all of that, that's how I know, like, you know, when you change, it doesn't mean you're pivoting and abandoning all the stuff that you were raised with or you used to be. You're just like solidifying that person. Like now I really feel strongly like who I am. Yeah. Yeah. Or, I mean, for me, it was more like, who am I without alcohol? And it was going on this journey of discovery and what I do like, what I don't like, like what, who do I want to hang out with without alcohol? Who, who still wants to hang out with me without alcohol, you know? And so it's almost like, it does solidify everything in a sense because you're kind of coming back home to yourself, Mm -hmm. but it's also kind of scary, you know, like getting to know yourself again. And you think, I think back to before I drank when I was young and how I didn't need it and it was fun. And, and I just keep reminding myself that that's possible, you know, and having like laughter and just pure joy when you're sober is, it's something that I, I, not working on, but like really want to put myself in those positions or that environment to be able to laugh and have fun and like loosen up without alcohol, you know? Yeah. I think that's something that I try to remind my clients too, is like, you know, the world is not sunshines and butterflies and rainbows. You know, we have, especially in my world, like we get the adrenaline rush of the crime scene and, and, all the excitement of the bells and whistles in the middle of the night. And we have trouble coming back to baseline and just being Mm. like mundane, especially with our families and chores. Like, don't you know what I just did? (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure. Wow. But it's a good reminder too, when we come off, especially in early sobriety is like remembering what just being is Mm. and being able to kind of brainstorm and finding all of these things that who knows, like, just making a list of anything and everything that someone might think is fun. It doesn't even have to be you, you know, mm-hmm. like, but like people think skydiving is fun. Well, what is skydiving? Like what kind of equipment do you need? And like, mm-hmm. <laughs> what does it cost? And where do you go? It's like, well, who knows? I have no idea if I like skydiving or not. I've just been drunk for the last five years. Right. <laughs> so like, let's explore it and see. <laughs> yeah. So true. I'm finding that when I'm, like I've been on two trips in the last couple of months and, or one trip and then one to the fair and each one, I, you know, I'm alcohol free and I'm having 
so much more fun. I'm riding the rides. I'm hanging with my kids. I'm not just looking where the next bar is. That's what I used to do. I, if if we were on vacation, I would just always have a drink in my hand, always want to know where the next drink's going to come from. And, yeah. you know, my mind would just be consumed by alcohol. And when we went to the fair, I had this huge realization of just being on this fun ride and like screaming and laughing. And my kids are with me, you know, like my teenagers and my, my little ones. And it was just like such a moment for me because I was clear minded and I didn't need alcohol to feel this amazing rush that I was feeling. And it just felt like I was living, you know, it was great. It's so great. Yeah. I'll never forget the first, like, real laugh I had when I was like, you know, really a few months in, it just felt so good. I can't describe it. I just, Did like, you think about laugh, it? You know? Like, were you aware uh, of it when it happened? I think at, like, you know, as it was happening, I was like, oh, I have to laugh like this in a really yeah. long time. It feels it so really good. good. I'm more yeah. of a serious person by nature. I'm, I'm, my husband's more of a jokester, you know, but so it kind of takes a lot for me to laugh. I don't know why. I'm just kind of like my baseline's a little more serious. I don't know. So I, I love those moments when they do happen. I really appreciate them now. I wanted to explain, I feel like something that really kept me drinking was guilt and shame, right? So in the past, there's zero guilt and shame. Like it's basically yeah. like, Every If you mess up, because so many people are like, oh my gosh, I was doing so good. I had seven days sober and I drank last night and they just feel like complete shit, right? And you guys always tell us, you know, it's a data point and kind of explain to everyone what a data point is and how you would use those, those little, you know, nights that you drink as a learning opportunity. So this is where, and like you know, warning, I'm going to kind of say something about AA, but I, I could not identify with AA because I truly believe that a good scientist is somebody that tests out their hypothesis. And my hypothesis that I had no idea if it was true was, can I live a, li a better life without alcohol? Mm -hmm. And so as I was going, I had to keep going back and testing alcohol Cause I didn't know. I was like, okay, I get like seven days in and I'd be like, yeah, I feel amazing. Oh, maybe I can drink. Maybe I didn't have that big of a problem. You know, mm -hmm. no, my neighbors would say something to me. Like you were a lot fun, more fun back, you know, when you were drinking and that yep. would be like, maybe I am not fun now. Like <laughs> I should drink again. So data points, it's just like gathering information and allowing yourself. Uh, and I think if you're going to choose purposefully to ingest alcohol on a, you know, during a time that you're trying to not drink alcohol, make sure that you use it for the purpose of getting information. So like figure out what the heck you're doing right now, which would require you to need some sort of toxin in your body. So if you're so stressed out or hungry or bored or angry or tired or lonely, you know, what is alcohol going to give you? It, do you really need to be numbed out? Is that what you want? Is that what you need? Maybe try having a drink of water, go hug your kid, go tickle a dog, you know, like mm -hmm. go run five miles. How about trying something different and something else natural that can right. be the substitute for that? And then if you do end up deciding to drink, like, how does it feel after 30 minutes? Like you said, how does it feel after an hour? Can you just have one or do you get that itch for another one? And if you have another one, 
is that making you feel better than before you had that first drink, better than you had no drinks? Mm -hmm. Or do you feel pretty crummy? And then really like identifying and keeping track the whole way through when you've decided to drink is super useful. And then in the morning, like logging down all that information, writing it out, getting, I call it mindful decontamination, like Mm. getting it out of your brain and onto a piece of paper because then you can refer back to it if you want to, or at least like it's out, you know, those words are out and they're so useful because you can't like, honestly, you, I can't remember what a hangover feels like, but I bet you I have a journal full of like, (laughs) those feelings (laughs) I've I've read mine recently and I was just this is it I'm never drinking again today's the day I think it was like August 14th of last year and I was just like so done in my mind right but then the next weekend would come and and where I wanted my purpose in that was to go back and read it what I wanted to drink but you know when when you make that decision to drink the last thing you want to do is go read about your hangover sure (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. It takes, you know, I'm doing a program with another coach and we're, we're taking a lot of what we learned from this naked mind and taking a lot of things that I think are positive from AA, but the majority of the thing that we really want to stress it with people for people is that like, this is your life. This is your sobriety. This is your recovery. This is your discovery, whatever you call it. Like Mm -hmm. you get one life. Right. You get one chance and you're an adult. So like figure out what really works for you, whether it's cutting down on blame and shame and like learning and taking that pause and learning about what you're doing and why you're drinking and doing data points and all that stuff, or just like stop and start learning then like, but you got to know what's why you're here. Yeah. Set that goal and, and put on your big boy pants and start, you know, start changing. Cause it's, yeah. It's hard, but I bet like you, you probably never thought you'd get to eight months, right? Never. I, I, at that time, I didn't even think I could get three days at one point. And look at you. Yeah. It's, it's the goal. It's setting the intention. And like I said, before we started recording, I, I feel like subconsciously a lot happened in the program because the way it's laid out and I really listened and did what I would, you know, did the little assignments that were with each module and just got so curious and wondering, could this work? Could this really work for me? And of course, sometimes I was like, no, this isn't going to work. Like I can't, I'm never going to stop drinking and I would get in that negative loop. But luckily Annie was right there the next morning to bring me back, you know, and then the amazing coaching calls. I remember talking on one and I was explaining to everyone how I was hiding alcohol from my husband and I felt really guilty about that because he was working out of town a lot and I was drinking you know every night after work and then I was even drinking you know on the weekends without him knowing and everyone kind of helped me realize that I needed to tell him and be honest and I'm so glad I did I'm so glad I listened because he was able to really see where I was at and meet me where I was at. And, and he, luckily he was so understanding, you know, he's been so supportive throughout it. But like I was saying, something just clicked inside of me and it was six days or so before the whole group stopped drinking. And I realized I I don't want to drink anymore. It was like, I'm telling you, it felt like a miracle inside my brain. And my mom, you know, this isn't the best thing, but she asked me to go buy her alcohol like three days after I stopped drinking. 
And I thought, okay, this is going to be a good test. You know, I didn't feel anything. I got a whole gallon of vodka, which was what I drank. Don't ask me why my mom would do this. You know, like it, I was a little irritated in the moment. Like, why would you ask me to do this after, you know, I just got sober three days ago. But yeah. when that's a whole another story, <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, I didn't feel anything. And I was so shocked that I had no desire to drink. The desire was completely gone. So when I, when I tell people about the path and this naked mind, I'm like, that shit works. It worked on me. <laughs> I don't know if it works on everyone, but the way my brain took in the information, it completely worked. I feel like it just like turned something like, what yeah. were you saying earlier? Something has to go off in your brain to explain that. Yeah, I, this is a early episode in the Huberman Lab podcast, which I'm obsessed with because you know, once I started realizing that once you kind of change your alcohol use habits, there's all these other habits and per personal development that you can like use just inside of you to like mm -hmm. make your life better. It's so cool. So Huberman talks about, oh my gosh, the word just went out of my head. When you can change your brain. Oh my God. Like the, Sorry. it's okay. Neuroplasticity. That's there you it. go. <laughs> so <laughs> we all are born, you know, our brains change. They can develop, you know, different connections. And when I think it goes up until we're like 25 years old, our brain is always changing. And that's how mm -hmm. we grow and learn how to walk and drive and all that great stuff. But once we're after we're the age 25, if we want to change a behavior or like a deep seated belief, we have to actively engage in specific patterns of behaviors which begins with releasing specific neurochemicals. Okay. And there, I think there are three neurochemicals that you need to release in order to trigger your brain to be perfectly available to start to change. Hmm. And I'm listening to this podcast right now. It's, I'll have to message you the, the specific episodes so your folks can listen. Mm -hmm. But one of those is a neurochemical that in our body makes us feel very anxious, very uncomfortable, like triggers that fight or flight mm. with feeling. And so when we are getting ready to change a behavior like drinking, we are going to feel really uncomfortable. Mm. It's basically like our bodies being like, whoa, you know, yeah. and like then we're capable of change. Mm -hmm. So it's just, it was so amazing to read that and be like, oh yeah, like I remember that being like, oh my God, I'm so anxious. I can't believe I'm going to do this. Everyone's going to hate me. They're all going to think I'm a weirdo. Like, mm -hmm. what if it doesn't work? What if, what if, what if, what if, what if guilt, shame, blame, yeah. blah. Yeah. And then you change and then you're like, oh, that was easy. You know, <laughs> yes, like, that is so true. It's it's so weird. And There's all... such a buildup. <laughs> yes. It's like, yeah. why didn't I just do this and just do it? Yeah, our brains are amazing machines that can literally talk you into anything and that's why I love subconscious work because getting to the subconscious is really the way out of trauma I think the way out of you know behaviors you want to change or the way into a whole no another beautiful life you know so I love it I love it that's why I love hypnotherapy too it's like my new thing I love the last thing I wanted you to explain because these turnarounds are so critical, like even in your own day-to-day -day life, you know, and they really help people who are struggling with drinking and 
So if you could explain what they are and give us an example, that would be awesome. Yeah, Annie calls it the ACT technique. It's the ACT like technique, have, yes. Yeah, so you have an awareness, clarify that awareness, and then you issue a turnaround. And so to be specific, like you can do this on just like a statement, like I think wine is relaxes me. Or you can do it on like a deep-seated belief, like, you know, I need wine to parent. Mm. And you're basically taking that belief or that thought to, into a court of law and testing it. So you want to say like, does wine relax me? Well, is that true? Like externally, does wine relax people? Well, in the moment, yeah, like you drink that first drink and you feel that big dump of dopamine. It's actually, it's like a analgesic. So it like, it does technically numb your tongue. It numbs your stomach. It numbs your brain as it's soaking in. Like I remember those feelings. Me too. That first drink, like total numbing. They used to use it in surgery. Right. to numb you out, you know? Um, but it doesn't last. That numbing feeling goes away. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that euphoric feeling, 20 minutes, you know, it's gone. And then so maybe, yes, it relaxes you in the moment, but it, it does not last. So does it relax me? Well, yeah, you know, like I looked forward to it. It would relax me in the moment, but it ended up being like, you know, for one drink, like I would feel guilty. I would feel shameful. I would, I would have two, three, four, bottle of wine, two bottles of wine. Mm-hmm. And then for days, I would feel anxious, guilty, you know, dr- it would lead me into drinking again for days. Mm-hmm. And so no, I guess like alcohol doesn't relax me really. And how does it how does alcohol, you know, is that true? How does it make me feel like that, that statement? Mm-hmm. Does alcohol, you know, alcohol relaxes me? Well, gosh, I really wish like there were other things that relaxed right. me. Yeah. Why can't I have, you know, it makes kind of makes me mad to think about that statement. Like I have this really hard job. I deserve to have things that relax me. You know, my kids should relax me, but at this point, all I want to do is sit on the couch with my glass of wine. That's not very relaxing. It's kind of boring actually. Mm. And then, so after you kind of really tear it all down and tear it all apart, you can go back to the turnaround. So that's the T in act. And then you can just say a different statement and it can be the complete opposite from your original statement. Like wine doesn't relax me. And that's true for me. It wasn't true for me in the beginning, right? When I very mm-hmm. first started this, my statement, my turnaround was I'm learning other techniques to relax me. I or I could say like, I'm learning about how alcohol doesn't relax me. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't a lie. Like we were talking about subconscious beliefs, right? Like, so you don't want to say something that uh, your subconscious you think is wrong because exactly. then you're going to be confused and like your brain is going to be like, no, it does relax you. What are you talking about? Right. So the whole point is like bringing up these, these beliefs that you have underneath and start to bring them up and be like, oh yeah, actually that's, that's bullshit. Like alcohol mm. isn't relaxing at all. Yeah, that's. It's so great. I love that technique, the act technique, everything we're talking about, I'm going to put in the show notes too. And I don't know if there's a 30 day coming up or not, but Mm -hmm. I would love to link that as well for anyone that's interested. Yeah, I can send that to you and I'll send the Huberman lab, but yeah, there's a live alcohol experiment for July. Yay. So yeah, anyone who wants to learn more about, you know, just changing your relationship with alcohol and learning about Annie Grace and how she does things and all her wonderful coaches. That's a great way to start. And Scott, does Scott, one of the coaches in it? So Scott is not coaching anymore. Yeah. He's not? Um, Oh, I didn't know that. 
Yeah, so Scott has blazed his own trail. His, he's doing something with co-parenting. So he's always Ooh. been really interested in, yeah, coaching folks that are divorced and I trying love to. that. Okay, he, well, he's still he's doing amazing, amazing work. Yeah, he was a great coach. And I want to hear amazing. more about your program that you're starting. What yeah. is that? Yeah. So, you know, I do private work with last responders and first responders and I have my own podcast too called Forensics Found. Yeah. I love it. It's been really fun. That's awesome. I didn't know that. I got to listen. Yeah. Oh, it's good. I talk to some sober people. Mostly it's folks that are in my, you know, my world and Mm -hmm. talking about mental health and wellness, but I am starting a program. It's called Sober Assembly. And I'm working with Coach Jeff Graham, and we're we're going to build on a lot of stuff that we learned from this Naked Mind. But like I said, we're taking from our own experience, mm-hmm. and uh, it's I'm hoping it'll launch in August. We're like finishing now. It's been something else. <laughs> so is it an actual program that people sign up for and a coaching program yeah. type thing? Oh, that's yeah. great. How long is it going to be? I think we're going to, we don't have everything totally worked out, but we're going to have like, you know, it'll all be if different options like, or. Yeah, there'll be a, um, I think we're starting with a 10 day kind of prefab mm-hmm. thing that you can do, but we're really relying on people's like ability to kind of build their own sobriety. Right. So they're going to be that. picking and choosing things that work for them. We call our like kind of our learning phase mm-hmm. day none. So you're going in, instead of starting at day one, you're starting at day none. And you really build and plan and prepare. And like uh, you know, nobody nobody bakes a cake without a recipe. Nobody builds a house without a blueprint. It'll be all like planning and preparing and, and for success, right? Because it yeah. sucks when you, when you feel like a failure. And I went around and around with that failure crap for so long until I realized like it's a part of the journey. Yeah. Failure leads to success for sure. And that's what scares people from trying things is they're afraid to fail, but you got to fail to get somewhere. You got to fail to learn, fail forward. Right. Yep. I would love if you, I'm, I know I didn't ask you to think of anything, but I'm sure you can come up with something, just something, one last message to everyone. It can be, you know, alcohol related or just life related, something you want to pass on to everyone that's listening. Oh yeah. I think, I mean, I work, in the death field and I've seen lots of sad, tragic ends to people's lives where you don't get a chance to say goodbye or you had no idea that this was coming and families are torn apart by alcohol and drugs and stupid Mm. driving and, and disease and eating. And, you know, like we don't have a choice when we get to leave this earth in most cases. And so I think, if everyone can just take a moment and remember that we have a very short time here mm-hmm. and that we get, we do get to decide how we feel and how we live this life. And we can, you know, we can really harness all of this exciting energy and this power that we have, even if we're dealt a shitty hand or a tough situation, our mindset in that is well within our control and we can, you know, we we can proceed in a way that makes us feel good about it. Yeah, I, I absolutely love that. And I can't even imagine that that type of job. I would love <laughs> to, I was just listening to Amanda Decadene and she was doing, a, um, she did a podcast on 
psilocybin, like mushrooms, but they talked a lot about death in it. And they were talking about how it, it just needs to be talked about more and how it's like this whole world of people that we don't even realize or talk about. And you're part of that world. So that's, that's so beautiful (laughs) that you're willing to, to put yourself there. I would love to like dig into that another time on another episode, but I can't thank you enough for your, all the talks we had checking up on me, even after the the program ended, no other coach did, you did. (laughs) And I just always felt a connection with you right off the bat. And I felt like I could be open with you and share the deepest, darkest things that a lot of people don't know. So I just fully appreciate you and want you to receive that, receive all of that love because you deserve it. And I can't wait to see what you do with this next program. And I want to watch it all unfold. Oh, thanks, man. You did a really good job. And I'm just so proud of you. Good work. (laughs) Thank you. All right. We'll see you again (laughs) soon. All right. See you. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. If you loved what you heard, please leave me a review on iTunes, share it with your friends and tag me on social media. You can find me on Instagram at healinganddealing.podcast and by joining our Facebook group. Be sure to follow me for inspiration, tips, and exciting news about upcoming episodes. If you are interested in working with me one-on-one or have questions or comments about what you heard today, please email me at healinganddealing.podcast at gmail.com. Your support means the world to me. I'm so grateful to be sharing my voice and the voices of others with you. Now, let's keep healing and dealing. We'll see you in the next episode.